I really want it to be 80s newscaster music. This show is not allied with any sect, denomination, political entity, organization, or institution, does not engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any cause, neither do we. We're not affiliated with Al-Anon or any other 12-step program. The opinions expressed here are strictly of the person who gave them. Please take what you like and leave the rest. Hi, I'm Corey. Hi, Corey. Hi, I'm Claire. Hi, Claire. And this is Crosstalk. This is Crosstalk. Oh man, it's been quite an eventful. It's been quite an eventful life uh, outside of the rooms, um, which I'm not going to get into as far as like politics. Uh, My life is freaking great. So other than the the world's craziness, Um, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know what's been interesting? Well, what I was going to get current on today is this podcast. So it's been really hard to find people with the recovery that we respect and admire. And then schedule it. So I think you'll be about four weeks out since our last pod, listeners. And yeah, you know, it's been difficult to really find. And I and I take that, you know, that's that's my side of the street too, because I'm not going to enough meetings with meeting new people, um, in my in my free time. But yeah, it's been really hard to find, you know, great people. We have an amazing person today that I've been working on for a while. But schedules finally align, which is fantastic. Um, and I had a I had an experience where I asked someone that I really respected and admired. Uh, over I've been in the rooms over a decade, I guess. Um, since I, you know, one of the first people I met, and their response to me was to shame me, shit all over me, judge me, tell me what to do, and even misprogram it. Like, give me the, they were like, "This is not what DA is all about," and I was like, "I didn't mention DA. I don't go to DA, which is fine. No issues with DA, but like, clearly you're in a few programs, and clearly you're having a reaction." Um, it was interesting because, you know, we really felt like, we really feel like this pod is being in service and we're not affiliated with Al-Anon and we, you know, we haven't had that conversation yet, but it was just, it was, uh, it was the first time where I hadn't really been met with love and joy mm-hmm. at the idea that we had, um, done this. So I thought that was interesting, a little gut check for us, but also, you know, you and I talked about it, which was really nice. And, um, you know, this whole pod sprung out of, we used to go to the sun. I used to go to the Sunday meeting where they would record your your lead and put it on YouTube. And I listened. And at the time when yep. I was young in program, those YouTubes freaking saved me. Like I would be on road trips and I couldn't reach anybody. And like hour long YouTube leader meetings and so on were just just everything to me. And so it really came out of this idea is that I was going to these meetings in LA, and this other woman who was also originally before Claire. Was also who had volunteered to record the meetings, had said to me, you know, will you help me? And I said, sure. So we started splitting it. And then, frankly, she totally bailed on the commitment and I started doing it. But um, and then, you know, and then Claire and I wanted to do this. It was just it was just an interesting it was the first time where I felt like this pod had not been met with love and light. And it, it was a it was a good moment for me to check my intentions. You know, I was being accused of some things and and I, you know, basically used the program. I did a, a step. uh I did a step on, or I sort of did a, uh, you know, an inventory of my side of the street and made sure that I still had the right intentions and that we'll this was about, there. yeah, about the recovery and not about me. And 
I feel pretty good about it. So fam- you're trying to get famous, aren't you? Doing this oh podcast? yeah, exactly. I thought that's, this, that this anonymous made. podcast. We have like um, over three million followers. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing makes you more famous than talking about your recovery. Um. So anyway, I I wanted to share that was my current was like really rechecking the pod, and I was like, you know what? Fuck you. That's not what we're doing. My intentions are different, and they come from my higher power, and I've gone with the flow, and this is what program looks like. So. It was a fun week in that respect, or two weeks, I guess, in that respect. How about you, Claire? How was your Well, uh, what do you current? get current? I have so many things I want to say about your get current. I'll just take like 30 seconds and be like, you know. Cross dog it. Um, when we started this, it was pre-COVID. And there wasn't, you know, now you can go to a meeting anywhere, mm. anytime, because there's all online. And there's so many online meetings, which I still don't believe is the same as going to, for me, it, for me, it absolutely is not the same as going and sitting in a chair in a room. It doesn't do the same thing for me. Um, and, but I also am so grateful that it exists for so many reasons. Um, but my, my, I guess my point is, is that it's like, there wasn't a really a thing that was like mobile, that was like on the go, that like you're driving, you could listen to a thing. And also like our, we're not like trying to replace meetings or program or anything at all. In fact, like it's like completely not affiliated with, it's really just like, um, you know, you had a desire to do it. I had, I was like, yes. And for me, the intention has always just been to bring levity and joy to recovery And to bring stories of people that, you know, have gone through things to talk things out more than you get to uh, in the rooms. And I think that a lot of people can be afraid of fellowship early on. I was as a newcomer. I just am like, you know, this is the modern world. And we listen to so many podcasts and there's so many podcasts on other 12-step programs. And, uh, you know, and it just is what it is. And um, it's like take what you like and leave the rest so i know that there's people that like and are happy that we're doing this i'm happy that we're doing this i'm gonna keep doing it even if Corey leaves from shame no i'm just kidding um <laughs> yeah you know it's just like no, it's, this isn't nobody's business really unless you want to listen and and um and that's how i feel about it so I'm, I'm happy that we're doing what we're doing um it brings joy to my life and then you know let it begin with me so my get current is um it's pride month and i'm a big homo queer trans light human and um and i'm just like so i got to my my current partner my 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 lovely wonderful partner uh had never been to the pride parade in la and i was like what she's kind of like a new gay sort of Anyways, she's going to listen to this later. I've like maybe uh, been one. She's going to so listen maybe. to this later. I know she will. And But what I mean is that she hadn't been like, anyways, she had never been to the gay parade. And so I was like, we got to go. We got to go. Like, you're super gay now. You have the gay haircut. You wear the gay clothes. You go to the gay gym. You're with a super gay person. Like, we just got to go be gay together. Um, and so her and I and then uh another sweet friend of ours the three of us got like mesh tanks because I like had to show off my trans scars you know I was like I gotta show my top surgery scars at pride this year and we just had I felt I have never felt this is recovery I got up early I made french toast for everyone okay we left 
early. I knew where the parade route was, planned ahead, okay? Nothing was urgent. Brought fucking chairs. Didn't bring too much shit, though. Didn't bring too much shit. Went and found our spot. We, re- we sat, got a great spot. And then we left the parade early. And I was just like, never in my life have I felt 36. So 36, you know? which I just turned 36 earlier this month. Uh, But really, truly, I had never, I was like, this is what being a fucking mature adult looks like. I was in, I was out. Like, I got what I wanted. Like, uh, there's, I'm not a part of this mess of traffic or like all the other things I don't want to be a part of. Um, And I didn't have to like savor every moment of it. Uh, I don't know. It was really, it felt like a real success for me. And it was just so easy, does it? And then we like all came back and took a nap, you know? It was just like, yeah, like this is great. Um, and that's kind of what my life is like today. You know, I just like show up prepared and um, and sometimes not fully prepared, but like it's fine and I don't stress out about it because I know that like it's just all, like nothing really, I really don't think anything matters anymore. And I also, in the sense of like, I don't care what other people think of me. And I'm also like coming in this new place of like, everything is made up. Every single thing that exists is is just made up. Somebody just made it up. I'm like, oh my God, everything's fake. Like I get to make up whatever I want also. It's wild. So I'm pretty happy, joyous and free these days, which is so great because like the beginning of the year was super fucking tough and not happy, joyous and free, even though um, I think I have a pretty consistent pulse of of being able to like sink into that. It was a difficult beginning of the year and I just feel like I'm back on my horse, you know, so that's where I'm at. Just riding, riding through the mountains, riding, riding through the, you know, wherever I'm riding on my horse. (laughs) (laughs) Have you? Have you been on a horse though? I have, but this is my cartoon version of riding on a horse. Oh, right. Just wondering. Yeah. Um, no, I think that, and then also this topic is. Perfect for what we're going to talk about today because our guest today is Jadina. And sh- I asked her, hi, Jadina. Hello. Hi, Jadina. Hi. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Um, so speaking of people who have a killer recovery, who I've always admired in the rooms, um, I've been stalking this one for a minute, and her schedule is so difficult because she's so popular and doing so many interesting things. And thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> and I think your your topic is kind of going to be a little bit related to some of this uh, some of this stuff. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say. How would you like your time? Uh, just a little notice at the, maybe the one minute mark or 30 seconds. Cause we can be technical. Yeah. I'll give you 30. I'll give you <laughs> nine, nine 30. I'll give you a little thing. Sweet sauce. Uh, okay. First of all, I really loved the, uh, I'm going to cross talk and say, Corey, I, um, thank you for your vulnerability around the traditions of this program. And then Claire, uh, dipping into what you were saying about planning, I am literally a recovering perfectionist. So it's the exact opposite for me. I'm like, no plan. Like, show up. Just here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I'm fully prepared for whatever life is going to do and be and experience it. Um, so it's really exciting to be in that space, maybe for the first time in my life. It's just experience discomfort and the joy and joy and the discomfort of not having all the answers and all the boxes checked and 
the gold stars and the report cards uh, assessed ahead of time because I've I've um, manipulated and controlled the environment such that there's no way I can lose. <laughs> so I'm really stretching into that today. And I'll just briefly share, I was raised in a home with a single father who's a total badass, um, big time surfer, really cool human who was raised by two alcoholics. And, you know, this isn't his story, but I'll say that his childhood was not super fun and that we always say that they did the best that they could. And I spent so much time alone as a little person. I spent so much time um, pining after the validation and the attention of my teachers and trying to figure out who and what I got to show up as in my, my home so that I wouldn't be left alone any longer um, and that I wouldn't get yelled at and I wouldn't get in trouble and that I would be liked. And man, I just, there's all of these little things that I, I see now as an adult that I, I still show up in and they go, I think to myself, oh, that's such an old behavior, like doing the dishes. Like in program, we say, just go do the dishes. Well, just go do the dishes for me was like, if I didn't do the dishes, it would, re it would result in like a week's worth of no communication at like seven. So there's a little bit of like ebb and flow with me in some of these things that are offered as suggestions. Um, go listen to music that you love. For me, that's another like, I get to be really careful about where I go because I spend hours and hours and hours and hours with these big pop female diva vocalist like learning how to fall in love at like four not sure that was the healthiest thing for me to be doing at that age but that was what I was in my room doing I was I was uh performing to my stuffed animals and and the walls in my room and you know like just hours and hours of doing that and sometimes you know the suggestion is to just go read a book today I will read something to to enrich my mind well I read everything that I could possibly get my hands on to try and be the best, to try and be lovable, to try and be enough. So I really take those things in small steps. I'm a big audible fan. I'm a big, like, let me listen to it. If I need to listen to it five times, if I need to fall asleep to it and then start it again, like no one's sitting there grading if, if I've done it properly or if I've taken notes. Another fun one is just go journal. Uh, for those of us that were, uh, acknowledged or validated for <laughs> writing perfectly, doing great cursive, alone time with a journal felt like I needed to write in my journal perfectly. Like the, like the lettering needed to look great for me and my journal. It wasn't necessarily free write. It was like, I'm going to free write in a way that looks good. And then it was never really a free write because it was under the context of all of these limiting beliefs that I had. I had made up uh, about my life. And so really, you know, alcohol, drugs, whether they were present or not in my home, what I chose to make up, what I chose to believe, the ways in which I chose to survive, they were formed really early on and trauma, add some trauma into that and the recipe for um, recreating that blueprint over and over and over again, whether it was in relationship with uh, romantic relationships, whether it was in business, whether it was in friendships. I was, um, I was, I was an addict of my own sort, addicted to perfectionism, to self-sabotage, to manipulation, to, uh, control, to, you know, surviving and getting out of my own, um, 
creating so that I could get out of my own cortisol cocktail, then right back into it again, because I'm only comfortable in survival mode and really doing that until I bottomed out. And I'm in a couple of different 12 step fellowships. Thank God they saved my life. I earned my seat. I will forever be grateful. And I learned that I could share my victim story and also no longer be a victim and that I could share my story from a place of power and I could rewrite that power using the support and the foundation of a higher power. So I've been in, been in different rooms for about seven years now and coming up on seven years actually in a week. Yeah, that's, wow. That's really, that's a real thing. Um, thank you for the celebration. <laughs> I, I hear it and feel it. Um, so yeah, I, I dropped in really quickly. I was desperate. I like, give me the thing on how to do the things and I will do it. Um, there was, it was no a good student. So, and when I'm desperate, I'll do whatever it takes. So I, I did the work and realized that I was even doing recovery. Perfect. I was, I was, I was those limiting beliefs and those ways of being there, they're, they're for me, they, they're literally my neural pathways were like, we do life one way and one way only. And I don't know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And they say at five years, your head pops out of your ass. And like, that was really true for me. <laughs> and so I, I had mentioned to, to Corey um, about masculine and the feminine energy and the idea of being a human de- human being versus a human doing. And I, I think that's where I really want to go with today's conversation because growing up in a in a single parent home with a very masculine man who was angry and traumatized and uh, incapable of accessing an emotion emotions in a healthy in a healthy way i learned how to be a really great doer um fixer doer macgyver uh taking in and then if you throw into like manifesting generator and the controller on the you know and the enfj and the like all the different qualifications a, a cancer uh, with a with a you know raised by a leo dad uh, there's just all these different things that say i'm really great at getting a large amount of information about what i'm walking into and finding a strategy that will fix it immediately so to literally take my hands off of the steering wheel and not fix control change give advice, um, even suggestions at times, and just be, just be a space of being is, is contrary action. I just use quotations if you, if you, cause you can't see that, but uh, contrary action was to not act uh, and is to not act. And I had to do a lot of work, a lot of work uh, or not working to break through trauma so I could get to this place where I can actually be. And I would say over the last getting current, I would say the last three, three to six months, I have entered into a new space in my life where I am practicing the non-doing and practicing the being and practicing what healthy feminine energy looks like. And this is an outside, but I think I can say it on here. Um, Pat Allen talks a lot when, when getting to, in her book, getting to, I do, she, getting to, I do, she talks about the masculine, the feminine energy. Do you want to be respected or do you want to be cherished? Now, those are her ideas, but if I'm interpreting in my own way, 
I absolutely want to be cherished. And so living a life of wanting to be respected because I was in the masculine energy and really making a big shift into, I can have both masculine and feminine energies, but if I would like my feminine energy to be, to be, um, you know, primary, I get to be in the receiving mode, the allowing, no efforting, just being. And for me, tying it back into program, that means God is driving. That means God is the masculine energy in my life. Not necessarily gender related, but just simply the masculine energy. And when I can surrender to trusting my higher power, it gives me chills because it's like a really new experience in my body to not effort, to not push, to not, to not force, to not, um, and yo, it comes down to the simplest little things like sending a text message to somebody like, I'm that, just going to send a text. No big deal. That's 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Perfect. Or a minute. It doesn't really matter. It's that doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll drive right into the conversation with this is, is that's where I'm at right now is watching these sneaky little ways that my old blueprint, my masculine, and not that my masculine's wrong, it's just not where I want to live. And I and finding the balance of what does if if my if my eyes are only on my higher power and God, like I see I you say God for my higher power, if I am solely focused on God, then who do I get to be in the world? And if I'm focusing on allowing God to run the show and to drive the car, what does that way of being, what does that look like? Uh, and just like in parentheses, after all this, I had to do a significant amount of trauma work to get to this place. A lot of outside help, a lot of reset, resetting my, my beliefs, lots of, um, you know, plant medicine journeys here. There are all these different things in order to get to this place where I can actually choose my belief systems today. I'm aware enough to be able to get ahead of it. So that's where I'm starting at. That's where I'm ending at. And I'm excited to have this conversation with you both. Yay. Congratulations Yay. on the years. I didn't want to applaud in the middle of your speech, but we were applauding quietly. We were. We were we were doing anyways. Uh, pro, you know, perfectionism. I just had to move rooms because now there's a party in the other room and this room is very cross and my there's mic didn't work. Well, I should say there's a party going on outside the other room in the first yard. <laughs> um, and now I'm going to sound even more for confidence. And my mic didn't work today, so I'm already at a next level, Al-Anon. Corey's, Corey's uh, going to explode in about a minute. So, <laughs> so wait, I'll, but you know I what? can control his no, no, no. Uh, mic, so I'll just mute him. It's fine. <laughs> but Jadina really calmed me, actually. Well, first of all, you always calm me because your voice is so soothing and, mm. and your presentation of yourself is so spiritual i guess is i don't have a better word for it um so it was really it was a really yep. good reminder um to be not in the perfection of it i think well i can't wait to cross talk this i think it's really interesting what you brought up so i want to start here if we're cool is about sort of this concept of trusting god as trusting a quote-unquote masculine energy and i know you don't mean it in the like you know but that's what we're talking about right we're going to break down what that means and so it's fascinating, right? I wonder where that, what does that mean to you? And I'd love to hear Claire as well. You know, does that feel like a, 
a submissive or quote unquote traditionally feminine position to be in to give over one's power to a higher power and therefore does that do you know what I mean what I'm saying there in the traditional sense which what you brought up obviously I would love to talk about your feelings about that I think the same way potentially a uh, and I, I identify as a woman, so it could also be as someone who identifies as a man surrendering to a higher power that, if we're using specific genders, uh, is submissive to a female higher power. So really tapping into my specific journey and recovery and my plight and my arc of humanity in this planet is having been such a masculine human for so long that for me, surrendering um, to another masculine feature of um, another masculine entity uh, and actually sitting in the passenger seat and allowing myself to learn surrender, that is that is my journey in this lifetime and believe that that is what I'm here to learn and embody and encapsulate. And that's not to say that that's everybody's journey. I believe wholeheartedly that um, similarly, it could be a masculine man who gets to sit, step into the driver's seat and his higher power is uh, uh, a man uh, who has feminine energy and is in the passenger seat. So I really think that there's all kinds of different ways to interpret the energies themselves. And I am in no way suggesting that my specific journey of learning to surrender to a um, the masculine energy is blanket statement for everybody. Um, I also will say that uh, for me, that the masculine energy could be withheld by a female goddess who's driving the car. It could be by a Jesus uh, who's driving the car. You know, my definition of God is, is personal to me, but I'm not saying that that gender needs to be, be a man. It's simply a masculine energy that I've, I get to learn to trust and be led by versus me telling my higher power, get in the backseat. I'm leading you where I'm going, if that makes sense. What do you think, Claire? Um, I couldn't agree more and I get it. I also think that this topic of the masculine and feminine energy within the context of program is a paramount conversation. Um, just because there are so many relationships that we create within program, you know, and you're first and foremost talking about your relationship with your higher power and, and yourself. Right. And then it's like, we have fellowship, we have sponsorship, um, we just have general being in the rooms with other human beings. And I think that um, there is an archaic understanding of masculine and feminine in our society still that thinks that it is, it is gender related, right? That it is specific to a gender that men are masculine and women are feminine. Um, and so, and it's like, why is this all important to, program for me it's like talking about your higher power and like having a masculine of center higher power that you release your control to i completely relate to it's fascinating because you know like i'm someone who was born female um i don't identify as a female I really am feel it identify more non-binary, but like if I had to pick, I would identify more as a male. 
you know, I've gotten top surgery in the last year. Um, and I really need to surrender to being more feminine. Shocking. Isn't that wild? Right. Isn't that wild? And it's because similarly, you know, I grew up around a lot of I grew up around a lot of femininity, but I also grew up around a lot of toxic masculinity and also like repressed femininity. You know, like my dad is totally like the housekeeper. And that was like, and as <laughs> the way that he is today, like he doesn't, as an active alcoholic, he doesn't give a fuck. Like he's not thinking about anyone else or anything else. But when I was younger and both of my parents were working, I think that that was an uncomfortable thing for my parents, you know, because they grew up in a time where that like doesn't make sense and wasn't right. And I like, you know, not that like I could wish things could be different because I don't believe in that kind of consciousness for myself. Uh, but if I could make their lives different, right? I would like put them in a time period of now where they got to be their full selves. And I think that my dad would have been just, I don't think he would have ever worked ever. I think he just always would have been a stay-at-home dad. And he's so loving and he's so, he is so feminine and gentle and like he's a gardener and he's like, you know, look at this tiny thing I'm holding. And he's just such a sweet man. And, um, you know, so it's like, but he, I never saw the man cry. His mother's funeral, I saw him cry like two tears, just like one tear and then another tear. That was it. And so it was like for me being like, I don't identify as a woman. I don't identify as a girl, as a kid. And I'm looking at my dad like, what is a man supposed to be? Like, how do I show up as a man? It's like, this is what a man is. This is what men are. Men are strong and they're masculine and they're just, this is it. You know, so it's really interesting because my higher power um, my like visual is very Buddhist. And so I love, you know, I have the Buddha, like a big, big, big Buddha, like kind of in my mind a lot that I like sit in that Buddha's lap. And, um, and this Buddha is so feminine and tender and loving. And, and I used to imagine when I was really, really in my disease and, and new in recovery that, um, my higher power would turn into this scarf, this like gentle, soft, almost like pale pink scarf. And I always hated the color pink. I didn't want to wear it. Da, da, da. I just bought a, a pink mesh tank top the other day. And, uh, and I have this mug today that I didn't even think that I was using this mug for breakfast, but my partner poured my coffee in my Mantone mug, which is like a joke on Pantone, but it's like, um, anyways, and it's like fragile masculinity on it. And I was like, this is hilarious. But, um, this, my, my higher power would become this pink, soft, fluffy scarf and it would just cut, wrap around me and then kind of like say to me, you know, you're safe and I love you and you can just relax. You're safe and you just relax because everything's okay, sweetie. And it was so gentle. And that's the place that I want to come from because I'm conditioned to be, to just be like the hammer, you know, to just come down as the hammer. And so I really, really relate to you in having um, to released to the feminine part of myself. That's the scariest thing. Like, I know what it is to be a strong man, like, <laughs> but do I, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Right. It's interesting. I mean, I feel like I'm a fairly effeminate man. I got, well, not fairly, I'm more effeminate than some men, surely. And I'm for sure but, you are, but yeah. I'm, but it's interesting. But the way I approach like life and work, I'm very assured and confident. And I actually am sort of probably kind of painted with toxic masculinity a little bit by some people because I'm just like, here's what we're going. Here's what we're doing. I know what's up. Blah, 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 blah. And 
and I don't really think about that as masculine, right? But like to me, I picture myself as like, oh, everybody come over, let's have a lovely time. Like, but then I'm at work, I'm just like, no, 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 you go over there, you go over there, and call me. Like, I'm very, you know, that. And I didn't, I don't really think of them as gendered, but I think the masculine part of it is the part that troubles people. <laughs> you know, makes makes problems for me, right? The person who is assured and confident, but in a way that is maybe putting that on other people or perfectionism like you brought up or dominating nagging school, you know, all those kinds of things to me come out of my side that is like very, but also it's all made up. Like why does confidence and self-assurance masculine? It's nothing to do with that. But we as a society are like, and, but I, I will tell you like in the workplace, women interact with me or the feminine energy interacts with me sometimes a you know, not well, because I ha they feel that that is a masculine, masculinized approach to them. And I think I never really thought about gender or the, a femininity and masculinity in the context of this program. But gender, obviously, and I want to get in some questions on that, but the femininity and masculinity of this program, I think, is interesting. Yeah, it's like to that point, because you're talking about relationships, you're talking about your relationships at work, right? So it's like when you pick a sponsor, that's a new relationship. So it's like, what kind of energy do you need? You know, my sponsor is a gay man who uh, is a feminine, who's really feminine. And he's one of the best father figures I've ever had in my life. And pr like, you know, and, um, and he's also like really detached and stern in a lot of ways. I mean, stern isn't even it. It's like direct. And, uh, you know, and there's no like my outcome. He doesn't give a shit like he does care, but he's not he has no attachment to my outcome, you know, which is not how my parents are at all whatsoever. And um, he's just like a strong pillar. And he's very feminine. His femininity is very present. And I love it so much. But I, but I think of him like, you know, like I wished him happy Father's Day. You know, that's just my relationship with my sponsor, you know, and. Well, well I want to know, like, with the sponsorship, too, with Jadina, I wonder, like, does it say in our program specifically to choose a sponsor of a different gender? Because I think it does in AA, doesn't it? Or used to. It used to. The same. I think it's the same. Yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed to pick, a, which is so hilarious today. But um, it's but to avoid yeah. romantic entanglement, right? Right, right. Yes, because trauma which, of bonding. course, is irrelevant in the context it's of us, at least Claire and I. Because, but um, yes. so, what, what do you guys think about that as a part of our program? And do you feel like you see people eschewing that? I mean, granted, we're in Los Angeles, so we see people embracing that. Is it? I, I wonder, like in Kansas or whatever, is it more like? um pushed or more like encouraged that you find a sponsor of the same gender i think it's it's more along the lines of what is your sexual preference versus what is the gender of the sponsor i sponsor gay men i don't sponsor uh gay women i know that that area can be really gray and it is my responsibility, having gone through the steps, that I am aware of what could happen for them, such that I'm, I'm, we're just a little bit further down the path. We're not all the way down the path, but we've seen, seen enough of the path to know, like, let's let's stop things before they could ever get started, or have them be uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's my responsibility as a sponsor to. to be and protect and uphold the traditions of the space. And for me, that that includes sexual preference. Um, and that I think it's less about the gender. The gender is specifically for the sexual preference. At least that's in my experience. 
Yeah, I mean, and I mean, this is such a now opening up to a conversation of like gender and sexual preference are two different things. Um, it's like sexuality and gender are are not the same thing. They're completely separate things, right? So like the gender is like how I identify if I identify as a man or a woman or non-binary and and my sexual preference is the kind of people that I'm attracted to, whatever that is. And it's so interesting like um, because, and I think all that's important because when we're talking about masculine and femininity, we have all these constructs of what those are supposed to be from societal's pressure uh, and that they're often binary to men and women, right? Men are masculine, women are feminine. And uh, you know, it's like I have friends in program that I have a friend, a dear, dear friend of mine, and he has all kinds of sponsees, all kinds. It's not, it doesn't, it's like, you know, and that's what works for him. And I think that's the thing that goes back to the foundation of our program, which is why to me, it is absolutely a spiritual practice and a, like the freest spiritual practice available, which is why it is the pyramid and structure of my spiritual practice is that everyone gets to build their own program in a way that works for them. Every single individual, these are just guidelines and discussions, you know? And I think even within what could be um, really like repressed old beliefs, we have still been able to, because of the principles of our program, just move through that and do what works for us as time has evolved and people have evolved. You know, what do you find, Corey? Do you find people sticking to that? I think that you're probably right. And in other states, it's probably more specific. Yeah, I don't know. You know, LA is, I would say LA is, and we're, we both grew up, I mean, I'm not in LA currently, but I think both of you are, and we all met each other in LA. And the pr it's interesting because we're like, there's so much recovery and there's so much sense of like, we can do what we need to do, but there's also a rigidity, I think, into some of the LA meetings. You know, there's a lot be. of like, yeah. I don't know. But that's it's everywhere, very, I think. I think that that's yeah, everywhere. Yeah, potentially. This one, there's some, there's some lack of softness sometimes to the rules in LA. But, you know, so I, the, the way it's come up for me, which what, I, what example I'll use. So I went to this queer meeting on Saturdays in West Hollywood. and the meeting, specifically the meeting, has whatever, whenever, years before I showed up, voted on whatever, and the newcomer liaisons are to be a man and a woman. And they're to be a man and a woman, and I've heard that a lot of meetings, it's not just this meeting, I'm only going to use this example because I was, you know, a business, whatever, secretary, whatever. So, um, you know, and then there would, we would have elections and two women would volunteer and I would be the one who's like, listen, I just want to say, we can change the rules and I want to ask that question. The principle of this meeting is that we've had a meet a vote and the rules say that we have a man and a woman so we can't have two women or two men in this position and then i also so then i thought about that you know years ago and like so what is the import what is the reason for that and as i began to talk to women in the program specifically more so i think they, the 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 traumas and the things that occurred to them were so often related to men and so the safety of being able to talk to women and being in a safe female space first foremost was really important and so a lot of women i talked to really wanted to defend the fact that they may they may not want to approach one of two men in a newcomer liaison position and would feel more comfortable if they could at least anyway so i wanted to talk about that topic because that is something that i do think that women statistically i don't have a i'm not doing math come in with more trauma from men 
physically sexual, what have you, then men come in from sexual trauma from women. And so there has to be a protection of that. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. I would jump in and say that we know about. Me too. Yes. Because the gay men that I've sponsored in different programs have, if not the same amount, more trauma from and at the hands of women than the women at the hands of men. Not saying good, bad, right, wrong, less or more, but I just think it's it's taboo or it's not appropriate or um, gay men aren't allowed or aren't encouraged to share their story. So it just might be what's been spoken about. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I think it's like this, it all, it really, I'm just so grateful for this topic, Jadina, like, because I think that that goes back to the feminine and masculine again, because of the constructs of what have been created, right? So it's like you grow up in an alcoholic home, you have trauma, Um, your trauma comes from either one or both of your parents, or maybe you don't have parents, whatever your grandparents or whatever your situation is, okay, the parental people that were overseeing you and supposed to be giving you care and weren't were fucking like inflicting trauma on you as a child where you are an actual victim, the time in your life where you actually get to be hey, I'm a victim, I'm a little child. So at that time, you have the social construct of what it is to be masculine and feminine and that getting put on a gender. And then also the binary constructs of gender. And then you come into these rooms and you're going, I don't know what to do here. And you're brand new. I understand why it is helpful to have a quote unquote, male and quote unquote, female presence as newcomer liaisons. I get it 100%. And if I have to choose, I would probably choose to talk to the man. I would be like, who's that cool dude? You know, and I would talk to the woman. Boom. Yes. Way faster than I would feel more comfortable talking to a woman first than a man. It's incredible. And in our relationship, Corey, it's so funny when you were talking about work stuff earlier, you know, because Corey and I have worked together before. And um, I even, and I know you won't take offense to this, but I've never looked at you and been like, this man is running this room. Never. And I didn't realize that until today. I literally am. But I think other, I think women do. I think, I think they do like, oh, because is you're in a man's body. A man you're in a quote man, man body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is perception of that. And, and you are a man, you know, uh, you know, but I also think you're a woman in a lot of ways in my experience anyway, or you have a lot of femininity. And also I have a lot of masculinity, even though my voice might not sound, you know, like a masculine man's voice. I show up with like, like a big swinging dick. Everybody says so. It's just is what it is. And so, like, I'm not, I'm not having this problem, right? I'm like, so we're it's big so, swinging ovaries. No, there is a giant. It's a giant cock. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get. Well, confused, in, in your Corey. case, I mean, in but I case, guess I meant metaphorically. I'm insane in my case. Yes, in my case. So it's like, but this to the point, right? Is that like I have a lot of masculinity that shows up constantly. Um, because that's who I am by nature. And so, you know, to have these choices when you, when you are in it, it brand new into this place where trauma is ever present, um, within even those of us that have lots of, lots of years of recovery, the trauma is still there, you know, we've healed it, uh, or, or hopefully as often as we can, we have, and yet to have the option of a safe space because, because that's just is what has been built. Like that's just the foundation of 
society to this point. So I don't know. I think if I'm going to go out on a limb, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that with, with the way in which feminism has, in my experience, taken a really ugly turn. I'm just going to go out and say it. I'm just going to put myself out there and say that I think that, you know, the, the construct of feminism is really just like, let's step on men's throats. Like, let's just like healthy masculine is not okay. It is not okay to have a pair of balls in this country and other parts of the world. It's totally fine. But in, and I'm totally in the minority, I think of women who think of women of people who identify as women thinking Mm -hmm. that. I think there's a lot larger of a percentage who say death to Mm -hmm. the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there are ways in which I think a patriarchy still very much exists. And I also, in hearing what you're saying, uh, Corey, when a woman who is on the rise with the current construct of feminism walks into a room and sees somebody who has the body of a male with some level of confidence, it's like, oh, the patriarchy's running this meeting. I can't handle totally. it. I got to rise up against it. And now I've got the power to do it. And I'm like, oh, we missed the point about feminism. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, yes. We missed the point, yes. y'all. So I also believe that this is the timeline of mm. swinging pendulums where it's like, it's going to swing super hard this way for a really, really bit of time. And then at some point, it's going to swing back to the middle and there's going to be you know, masculine men and there's going to be masculine women and there's going to be feminine men and they're going to be feminine women. And there's going to be people who identify as both and it's all going to be okay, but we're still kind of finding our way back to that middle ground. And, um, yeah, this is just my vote for like not stepping on men's throats anymore. Well, what I hear is extreme, right? You're talking about extreme. We're talking about extreme patriarchy and now extreme feminist reactionism. And yep. we don't live in extremes in our program, right? We're looking for the middle, the, the balance, the, the truth, the balance, yeah, balance. for balance. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think that's that's an interesting point. I, I I feel that way to some extent, but obviously I can't hold that opinion. But uh, as a man, <laughs> um, but um, but I, what I wanted to take that into in next, bringing it back to program, is Please, men's yeah. and women, men's and women's meetings, and have mm. you gone? And what does it mean for them to exist? And for you and your recovery, what did they mean or not mean? Uh, For me personally, I started women's meetings and uh, needed a space and time where I was not objectifying men, getting validation from men. Again, this is sexual preference for me. So it was I'm not making you my dad. I'm not making you my lover. I'm not making you my brother or my emotional liaison. I am not in any way, shape or form disrespecting the thing that I have used for so long to make myself feel okay, which okay is in quotations again, because I didn't ever actually feel okay. It was a bottom, bottomless pit, God-sized hole. So I, I really needed the space and time to get comfortable with humans who identified as women and those experiences and really getting vulnerable and telling the truth and telling the truth, not to get validation or attention from the guy over there. Who's going to then I'm going to use that as a manipulation to get that God size whole filled again. Like, I'm just not going to do that. And it saved my life being able to have those, those spaces. And I really, I liked it. And I also didn't like it because I was 
weaning myself off of the things that I had been using for so long. So yeah, that's, there's my two bits on that. That's so great. And, you know, I think that they're really important. Um, and, and also I think that at this time, the same thing, it's all, it's not just men and women's meetings. It's also that we have gay meetings, we have LGBT meetings and we have trans meetings. And this is all, you know, um, like Jadina was saying about sexual, sexual preference, right? Not sexual orientation or gender orientation, but sexual preference, who we are attracted to. Um, because often that romantic element is the element that like kicks us into, uh, you know, needing all those things that she was saying so eloquently, the validation. And, you know, it's like, so for me, I wanted to go to men's meetings, but that doesn't, didn't feel comfortable either because it also didn't feel safe because just societally, like, uh, it's like, am I going to be accepted or not? And I know now that I can go to men's meetings, but I have like so much recovery and I've healed so much of myself that like, I can go, I'll fucking go to men's meeting if I want to go to men's meeting. Um, but I have trans meetings I can go to now, which is incredible. And I'm going there because it's like, we all share the same thing and we all understand the same specific perspective. So now I literally just get a focus on program. It's so funny because you think like, oh, well, you're bringing an outside issue in. Because I would argue that men and women's meetings is creating, is also an outside issue, just as much as someone might argue that a trans meeting is an outside issue. And it's like, no, 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 we're creating this group of human beings that all are coming from the exact same perspective and are going to have similar sexual trauma. And... Um, you know, uh, energetically fe feminine and masculine trauma that is relatable. And it's a safe place where I'm not like trying to fucking hook up with someone. I'm not trying to save a woman. It, I was in, I went to like four or five women's meetings early in program, um, before I'd really understood myself more. And I've always felt so uncomfortable. And I also was like fucking checking people out and being like, oh, I could totally save her. Like I could totally help her like, you know, like live her life better and like heal all of that daddy bullshit. Like, it's like, what is happening? What? Like, I just like went to the candy store. I was just like, all right, like, let me help one of these women feel better. It was just like, no, 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 no. I need to be somewhere where I'm not going to try and like, where I don't have to regulate hitting on someone or not, you know? Um, yeah. I hear that. I feel like I've been to gay meetings and been like, I'm going to share. And then I'm like, oh, he's fucking cute. I'm not, I'm not sure. Totally. Totally. Like even I'm in a relationship, whatever, like doesn't matter. Not Does really going to date him. Not going to even talk to him, but like, don't mm -hmm. want to look uncute right now. Totally. And you're right. So what I, what I'm really hearing from both of you and is, you know, that gender is sort of an outside issue, but sex is not an outside issue, right? Like sex is a part of our program. Interesting. Sex it, it, is, it is mentioned. We do sex inventory. Yeah. We don't do sex a gender everywhere. inventory. And so what we're really talking about is sex complicating our recovery and gender not being really all that, re not as relevant. I mean, it's relevant, but like not really an inside issue, right? Agreed, like gender isn't, yeah. the, isn't the thing. And thank God we have sponsors that we can go to for good orderly direction around how to care for, care best for ourselves during those periods. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, maybe it's I go to women's meetings for the first couple of months and then I practice being in relationship with my brothers in sobriety mm -hmm. because my sponsor says, hey, I've, I've done my fourth and fifth step. I'm looking at my character defects and I need a practicing ground. 
to try and see where I trip and fall still. And I, what a better place to do that than in the rooms at fellowship where I'm, I, I can say to somebody, oh man, my character defect, defect of obsession is so popping up right now. I got to take, you know, a couple of days, 72 hours. Thanks for being a space for me to learn, you know, like really having that because I have a sponsor who I've ran these through and prayed on it and written about it. And yeah, I think that it, uh, you're, you're nailing it for sure. Boy. Yeah. I have a friend and fellow who sponsor told him who's a, uh, a straight cis, very giant male. And, um, who said, I want you to go to gay meetings because you need to receive love and hugs from other men. And you're going to be able to, that's the place where you're going to get the most of that. Just like love from other men. That's like really constant and open. So, you know, and he, he kind of goes to more gay meetings than anything else still. And, you know, that was way back at the beginning of his, of his program. And it's like, oh, right. Like that's what he needed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of all the diversity, right? That's sprung up. Um, in our program. And, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a lot of diversity in your community, you can Zoom anywhere in the world now to any kind of meeting that you could possibly ever conceive of at any time of the day. And it's really an easy way to explore other things. I agree the rooms are not, the, or the rooms are different than the Zoom for me as well. But, you know, if, if I had the option of of getting diversity where none was. I think that that's the reason we do this podcast, bring it back to the beginning. And that's the reason why we have the Zoom meetings, right? Because we can take recovery to more people more readily available. Um, Claire, I think you also have a reading that will relate to this that I'd love to hear. I really do. And I didn't ask you um, but <laughs> this at the beginning, but I'm just going to say that I also feel like we're, I'm reading it. And uh, to me, this is an honor of Pride Month this month. Um, and I think it also is relevant to the topic that we were talking about today. So the reading I have is there's a pamphlet. We don't read pamphlets very often, but I think that they're pretty fantastic. There's a lot of different ones, um, and they help create so much inclusivity in our program. And this one is Al-Anon Family Groups Welcome Gay and Lesbians and LGBTQIA. I'm just adding that because it does. Um, and I'm just going to kind of scroll into it here and read. It's like in the middle of the pamphlet is where I'm going to start. Each Al-Anon meeting is slightly different, and since we are all individuals, we may well visit several meetings before we find at least one at which we feel at home. Some Al-Anon meetings may be designated as gay and lesbian, or newcomers may feel more comfortable sharing with other gay and lesbian members. However, every Al-Anon group welcomes all families and friends of alcoholics. Alcoholism is our common bond, and we come together with willingness to listen and learn and to share the message of hope with others in the fellowship. A quote in this from a fellow is, what I love about Al-Anon meetings is that I'm getting close to people who normally I would not be able to know so well. For most of my friends are gay and lesbian, and I hear from my Al-Anon brothers and sisters in meetings that they enjoy meetings, they enjoy getting to know us as they might not otherwise be able to. Walls are disappearing and love and community are growing and expanding. An open door. Al-Anon has continually offered an open door to all of us who have suffered from loving someone, parent, relative, or friend who is an alcoholic. Diverse as we are, 
it is inevitable that we will sometimes disagree, but we recognize that in order to recover from the effects of this powerful disease, we need not look beyond our own narrow individual limits for help, understanding, and support. We strive always to place principles above personalities. No matter what our life experience may be, we're united in our gratitude for the countless open doors that welcome us to the rooms of Al-Anon, where we find peace, understanding, contentment, and even happiness, whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. That's where I'll stop. There's a little bit more, but that feels good. I love that. I mean, what I just hear, just open, 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 more, 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 everyone, everyone, everyone. I just hear inclusivity. Um, one tribe, one family. Yeah, and I mean, that's really the beauty. I, what I heard, what I got from that is the reverse, right? Like, I meet, you know, women from a whole nother part of the country. Like, mm -hmm. I have a friend we met in Texas, and she's, you know, she's clearly, you know, very religious, probably in the Judeo-Christian sense. And she, we have a very, there's no way we would have met in the way, seemingly, in the social yes. circles we would have traveled in. And, I mean, she calls me her brother, and I consider her my sister. Like, we share a recovery together and to me that's the magic um i'm making a shout out for gay people meeting straight people and meeting people we wouldn't mm -hmm. meet you know a mom of yeah. five who lives somewhere that i would never go like i totally. want i don't know what that experience is like and if i'm in la just hanging out with a bunch of like you know white people and mostly gay people that's not going to get the same experience so the diversity works both ways actually in in, in my sense of it because i'm in a very diverse community and i don't get you know the the other people right that are looking for us as diversity we get to meet them so i really love that um and i also love that you would go into that room and you just wouldn't know any of it just yep. wouldn't be relevant i don't yep. know what your religion is i don't know what your job is yes i don't care yes <laughs> doesn't matter oh i love this program me too it's so incredible Jadina, final thoughts on that <sighs> if any I am both masculine and feminine and the steps, the traditions, the principles of different and all 12 step fellowships have allowed me to feel connected, a part of seen, heard, understood, and empowered to be of service and to be the greatest version of myself. And it's an honor and a privilege to have walked into those rooms. I mean, that's got to be the best ending to our podcast ever. So we should probably just call it right. There's no reason to keep talking. <laughs> Mic drop. Bam. And then she walked off the stage. She just, she's gone. She she's just gone. Leaves. You can't she see her, people. She dropped the mic she and just scrolled out of the room. <laughs> or she or she, she climbed through the wires and, and inappropriately hugged both of you in the biggest, most lovingest way. <laughs> Oh, Jadina, I know we've kept you too long. Thank you for all the technical fun that you rode with us. And um, mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us and talking about this. This was really interesting. And I don't think I would have gotten to this topic on my own. So thank Me you. Me neither. Look at that. Because together, together, we can make it is we the can slogan. Make it. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. Together we make it. Thank you for having me. It is uh, always an incredible day when I get to share a space with humans who are committed to doing mm. So, fuck yeah. Fuck yes. yes. I'm going to drop a new bomb. <laughs> yes. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. And right. uh, keep, coming, keep back. coming back. It works it if you work. You work it. it.
and, and you're worth it. it. And you're worth it. This podcast is produced by Claire and Corey. Original music by Austin Bunn. Original Crosstalk logo by Jonathan Grant. Thanks to all our listeners, and keep coming back.